younger you can get that kid, the better off everyone will be, is turning out, at least in my circles, to not be true. That some children adopted at an older age when everyone said this will never work are functioning well and fitting in their families and that other children adopted as infants where there were thought to be no issues whatsoever are showing the same struggles that a very traumatized child is showing. So the assumption that I'd like you to work with with me this afternoon, and you can think about whether you buy into it or not, is that for me, there is separation trauma for every single adopted child or child who has been put into foster care. Okay, so no matter how rosy it was then, um, and the way it's really become kind of a myth out there in the outer world is in open adoption. We want to believe that if the adoptive parent or parents can be in the delivery room when birth mom is delivering, and if one of the adoptive parents can cut the umbilical cord, there really is no loss, no transference happening for that baby, right? It is a myth. There's a book that I want you to read if you haven't. And by the way, I didn't give you a book list, but my website is on all my handouts, and I have a reading a bookshelf um, at my website with books that I talk about. And this book is called um, The Secret Life of the Unborn Child. How many of you have read that little book? It's by a psychiatrist by the name of Thomas Verney. Actually, Harvard-educated guy who learned all the traditional child and family development stuff that we teach in the West, this birth family-based idea that we use to compare adoptive and foster families. And he finally looked at that and said, well, first of all, it makes no sense because it doesn't apply to families formed in other ways besides that nuclear birth family. And second of all, Typical Western child development leaves out the prenatal life that all of us experienced. So if you're interested in that, you'll like this book. First of all, it's pretty short. How many of you have not enough time to read everything you'd like to read? Pretty short. And what he has done is collected studies and research that have been done on this issue of the prenatal life of children, of human beings. And I never wanted to read it because, you know, as an infertile woman, it made me think about pregnant women, and I hated them for so long that there was no way I was going to read a book about them. Finally dawned on me that it might be helpful as an adoptive mother to think about the prenatal life of children. They didn't just spring out of the cabbage patch at placement day. What he talks about is his experiments that have been done around the world and how they show that as prenates, each and every one of us had a conscious experience. It's not conscious to us now because there was no language. It was a completely different reality than what we were born into. But he has research that shows that a prenate at 36 weeks gestation can see, can hear, can smell, can learn, and she dreams. There's dream sleep being shown in a 36-week-old prenate. And one of the studies that's really interesting 
is one that they did in Japan, and this is out of his book. And in Japan, they took a pregnant mom, and they had a bright light over here to her side. And they took that light slowly, slowly around until it was shining brightly and fully on her pregnant belly. And they watched the prenate on ultrasound to see what happened to the prenate. Well, when the light was fully here on mom's belly, the prenate grimaces and she's trying to turn away, which tells you what? She can see. She can at least see a change in light. It also tells you something else. She's grimacing. This is bothering her. She's experiencing something that's bothering her. So, you know, since scientists really are sadistic, and they say to themselves, hmm, that really bothered the baby the first time we did it. I wonder what would happen if we did it a lot more. So the scientists repeated this, bringing the light around.